Welcome to this week's episode of Football Neophytes Podcast. Of course, we're going to take a look at Wolves and Manchester United, opposite performances this weekend. City to the moon, Liverpool. Are they going to get out of the Champions League? Fulham, we're going to make some bold predictions. And we are going to have Kyle revealing his final eight. gentlemen what's up what's going on nate how are you good how are you guys good welcome back chris how you feeling good man uh it's good to be back in the saddle you know uh things of the family are rolling right along so uh yeah good to be back good, good to have you back it is you almost got full full-time replaced by titus though and it would have been deserving because he was phenomenal last week <laughs> I'm sure he'll make some more appearances later on his prediction yeah. earlier in the year. What did he say? We, we asked him what's best case, what's best case scenario for Arsenal. And he's like, I think seventh. Yeah. I think he, <clears throat> if I remember, I think he thought they would probably be around ninth, but oh. best case was up to seventh. And it looks like he's going to nail that pretty dang close, but they are playing good. So maybe they'll, get, maybe they'll climb higher. Yeah, it's a uh, it's the season is so wild. The roller coaster. I mean, it's a roller coaster. You've got. I'd love to see like a, a line graph of of all the teams like positioning over the course mm. of the season because I think you'd just see Southampton obviously mm. like dropping off a cliff. You'd see Chelsea rise and then fall and then rise again. Um, you'd see Man City through the moon you'd see liverpool up and now dropping i mean it'd be so bizarre to see but you you would also see sheffield united with a straight line across the bottom <laughs> yeah that's true you'd see man you you'd see manchester united make a nice yeah. run up the run run forward towards the top yeah i think they've been as low as like 14 or 15 they've been as high as first wolves would be wolves would be like um what would be a good wolves comp for the stock market? Like, cause they're just straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down, straight up, straight down. They're well, no, they've been down for so long. It would be like, <laughs> they'd be up because they started off. I mean, there was a time where they were five or six, but then they just fell off. They fell off a cliff and now the hole's pretty big. So uh, I think if they make big it climb back, they'll, there you go. they'll have to make a slow, slow climb back. Yeah, but they're doing it and they're looking better as they go. So, yeah, seven um, points in the last three ever ever since I started going FKW. Have any have <laughs> either of you guys actually looked up that hashtag since I started uh, tweeting it? No, <laughs> I see I see you in your green kit, and I and I love it, <laughs> and I, that's all I see. <laughs> so, so the hashtag F- is FKW stands for full kit wanker. <laughs> so it's not it's not a t- term of endearment but um yeah ever since i started going full green i wore i wore it with the express purpose of motivating uh the lads and 
that was that bizarre Arsenal win and we drew against Leicester and then won this week. So I'm going to, I'm going to claim it and claim it. I didn't wear it during the FA cup. I was keeping this only for, um, for premier league matches and wolves lost FA, but, uh, this match this weekend, they just looked horrendous in the first half against Southampton. Um, I mean, really it was, it was super depressing. Uh, I got up at five to watch it and it was bad. Danny Ings with just a rocket of a goal. I don't know if you guys saw it just beautiful, but even like, like the defense was just abysmal. Um, offense was non-existent. And then I don't know what happened in the second half, but they came out pressing. They looked great. I mean, it's the type of play that I would love to see wolves start off playing with. And, uh, they got a, they got a penalty. Nelson Semedo put a shot on, um, hit an arm and a bit controversial kind of, you know, his arm wasn't extended, but it was full on hit his arm. They called, uh, they called a penalty, varred it and upheld it. It's one of those things for me where I think a lot of people are, uh, I think a lot of players it's same thing happened to Max Kilman. Max Kilman, I don't remember what game it was earlier in the season, but we got a red or no, we got a handball in the box that cost us a goal in a match um, where a keep or a defender is just trying to get out of the way and it hits his, hits his hand and the penalties given. So almost exact same scenario where I think players feel like it's a bit harsh, but, but on the other hand, I'm looking at it and Samedo's putting a shot on goal or a cross, whatever he's doing right there. Like it's a scoring opportunity and it hit his arm and stopped it. So um, Neves completes the penalty. Wolves uh, go 1-1. And then uh, Pedro Neto with just a amazing, not just an amazing goal, but first the way he dances around Vestigard, who to give Vestigard credit played amazing all game. Like he's a brilliant defender. I love Vestigard. Um, but Pedro Neto just dances around him and then puts a shot in that I have no idea how it went in. Um, I, from my first thought was it was one of those goals that he put between the keeper and the post, like from the angle he's on, it looks like that's the way it goes in. And then you see the replay and you see it goes around a defender and the keeper. And you're like, what, how did he do that from that spot? Put enough curve to go around those guys, but just a brilliant goal. And uh, Wolves go up and stay up two one, get the victory, take the three points, a little controversial, but at this point, you know, when Wolves are in that bad of form, you'll take what you can get. Yeah, I didn't think it was controversial at all. I mean, after the calls we've kind of seen this year, I know that it's <clears> a hot topic and <clears throat> the fun button to push and argue about, but when I mean, the ball hit his hand, I know he wasn't extending it away from his body, but it's not like it was tucked to his chest. You know, well, his what hand... makes it more probably what makes it more controversial is a ball hit Den Donker in like the elbow, um, like five or ten minutes later, and they didn't call a penalty. So I think yeah. that's what makes it controversial is there's like what where's you got the same officiating crew now the plays were different there were a lot more players in the box it was like kind of fell down on top of his arm so so definitely there were differences in in the play but i know i saw the post-match interview with hassan hoodle and he was like 
just beside himself. And I think from his perspective, I, I would agree with him, but we'll take it. Um, like I said, two weeks ago, against well, it's better to be lucky than good sometimes. And we'll, we'll take the three points. Yeah. And that Neto goal was phenomenal. Amazing. Phenomenal. I mean, he's maybe a yard inside the boundary line too. Like to, yeah. to do, yeah, to put the, the spin on that ball, to curve it the way he curved it from that. It was ridiculous. It was so good. He's not going to win young player of the year. That's going to go to Phil Foden. Uh, he just doesn't have the same like hype as Phil Foden does, but Neto has five goals and four assists. It's the most goals and assists by any player under 21 in the league. So is that the line that they draw for young player 21 and under, you know what? I don't know. I've heard it's actually maybe 23. Um, but it's age or like, uh, how many years in the league years you've been in the league. No, it's age. It's age. Cause you could be, you know, Cavani and come in at the end tail end of your career. And it's your first game yeah. in the premier league, you know, actually, I don't know if Cavani's played in the premier league mm-hmm. before this, but um, no I don't think so. I don't think so either. But Manchester United, not super stoked probably. No, um, no not at all. For a couple reasons, I think, right. Even the West Brom first goal was, a little, I mean, it was, there, that was a yeah. little controversial. Yeah, there was, I, there was definitely controversy there. Um, I don't know, being a, a fan of this team and, you know, the first player I ever disliked as a Man United fan was Lindelof. Like, I'm sure if you scroll back through our text for two years, Nate, probably my first complaint about the squad was Lindelof is terrible. I don't know how they play him every game. <laughs> um, so him he he kind of got mauled. I mean, the offensive guy definitely, you know, you know, did the uh, swim move to get by him. And as he did the swim move, grabbed his face and pushed him back and then took the header for the goal. So uh, it seemed like that definitely should have been a foul, um, but they didn't call it. I don't even think they really reviewed it. I mean, it never like officially went to VAR. I know they say VAR checks everything. And then if they need to do a detailed review, they do it. Um I'm sure it's probably one of those that's going to, that showed up on the aftermatch report that they're like, that should have been a penalty. That goal should not have counted because that happens all the time. It seems like, um, but yeah, so West Brom gets the lead two minutes into the game on that header controversial, no call um, man United looks terrible. Very, they dominated the ball without doing anything with the ball. Like they just kept getting it into the zone <clears throat> attacking sporadically they're lucky that Bruno scored the goal that he scored, which um, it wasn't quite as nice as Neto's, but it was Dude, a beauty as well. It was uh, most impressive for me is it's his like off leg, his weaker foot. Right. I mean, just a beauty. It, it was, it was an awesome goal. It really was beautiful little cross in a little bit behind him uh, with his left foot as almost a bicycle kick without the flip. Yeah. Um, but those, freaking top corner like maybe only he and another handful of guys could even do um so it just continues to be the bruno show for united like he saves them pretty much week in week out um i I think my biggest head scratching stuff with this team is i can't figure out whether they play down to their opponents levels or their opponents are just getting up for them and playing them so much harder um 
I was having a conversation with someone on Twitter. <clears throat> it was actually kind of funny. A couple of weeks ago, this girl, I don't even know who she is. Her name's Katie. She had under 100 followers and she's live tweeting the Man United game. And Twitter picked up one of its tweets as like a Man United tweet and, and boosted it. And she hit 100 fans and she was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I have 100 followers now. And by the end of that match, she was at like 1,400 followers. Wow. <laughs> so she went from like 50 followers to 1,400. And so I was like, whatever, I'll follow her. She's tweeting good stuff about United and she's clearly a fan. And so she followed me, too. And so we've been kind of talking back and forth and stuff. And um, I asked her that same thing. Do you think we play down our competition or do you think – competition plays up for United and she kind of settled in between it's a little bit of both but I went back through the season so far and looking at bottom half teams they've lost 3-1 to Crystal Palace 1-0 to Arsenal 2-1 to Sheffield United drew with Arsenal and drew with West Brom that's two points out of a possible 15 against bottom tier teams. I guess you could make the case that Arsenal maybe doesn't belong in that, but they did for most of the season until recently. Yeah. Um, and when you're looking at the standings and you're seven points back with a game in hand for Man City, you're essentially 10 points back and you pull two out of 15 against lower level competition. That's your season. And so, you know, I've been saying it for weeks and I'm going to continue to write it out. I think City's running away from this thing. They clearly are right now and I don't see it changing. Um, so, you know, it's a battle to get those last three spots in the top four at this point. Um, but if you were a serious title contender, you can't give away those points against the lower rung teams. It's understandable against, uh, you know, teams like Liverpool and, and you know, traditionally the you know Spurs, even though they're they are a mess right now. So definitely glad I'm not a Spurs fan right now, but you know, it's understandable to drop points against city and Leicester and Chelsea and the big guys, but you can't drop 13 points against palace, Arsenal, Sheffield and West Brom and think you're going to, you're going to, you want to win the title. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, at this point, um, and not having Pogba right now is clearly hurting the team. Uh, He was playing so well before the injury and without him, they don't look like the same team. Again, they're lucky to have Bruno doing what he's doing, which if you look at his stats, what he's doing is pretty remarkable. I think he's played 38 games now and he's, he's contributed 38 goals, Dude. 24, 24 goals and 14 assists in his 38 games with the United. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't think they imagined that they were going to get the, I don't think anyone could imagine no. getting that sort of production out of anyone you bring in. Um, but he's been unbelievable and he's, you know, kind of the only reason to tune in at this point, cause he's doing everything. Um, if you're a team playing United and you want to beat United, just double man Bruno and see if the other guys can beat you. Cause Martial is just trash this season for whatever reason. He had a good year last year. He can't do anything right right now. And it shows in his confidence and how he's playing. Um, and with, Rashford playing on the opposite side where he's not that good. He's not, or he's not as good. Um, you know, you're, they're running the team to the ground essentially at this point with their wings. So if Bruno doesn't score, his team's kind of a mess right now. Yeah. I think the name of this season, and I think this is probably why we're seeing so much up and down is how do you, how do you withstand injuries? Right. How do you withstand injuries? Wolves without Raul are a bottom half team. Like that's just the reality. Spurs without Kane are 
not a top six club. Kane's obviously back now. That helped him last week. This week it didn't help him. Um, uh, Liverpool, uh, with their defenders missing, with Virgil van Dijk out, um, and they've had other injuries. Jota, they aren't the number one team. City, with Aguero and De Bruyne out, have continued to roll. And it's been next man up for them. So, and it, one of those guys is Gunduan for two more goals. He's been just out of control, has been lights out this season. And they've just continued to backfill that team and have 16 match win streak um, in all competitions. Um, but Gunduan came up with. Part. Hold on. The I was just say, okay, go for it. I was Sorry. just going to say Gunduan's hurt. He came up with a hamstring injury. So this will be kind of another piece of this is to see like how do injuries affect this, this season and will man city, if he's out for an extended period of time, can they sustain the momentum? Yeah. And the crazy part is that it's a 16 game win streak, not, not unbeaten. That's wins. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I think they're going to continue to roll. They have, they got the talent there and who knows when Aguero's coming back supposedly soon. Um, but yeah, clearly they can fill in one, one little note I will throw in on the United side, um, is that was their 19th straight unbeaten road game. Um, and they are inching closer and closer to setting a record. Their all-time record is actually 27 by Arsenal. Um, so they're still a little ways away from that, but they haven't lost on the road in over a year. Wow. And uh, that's a pretty impressive streak. Uh, but it also makes me go, so they're just losing at home. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, I don't know what to make of that, but, uh, it's an impressive run. They love going on the road for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, that there's, there's your United update for right now. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens going further forward. Obviously, City still dominating. Um, I'm interested to see how they withstand this Gundogan injury if it's if it's severe. Um, Liverpool is just bad. They're playing very just poor offensively. They can't get it going. That just amazing attack that they've had hasn't been able to put it together in spots. Right. But they're bleeding goals. Um, you know, what's funny. Allison, I'm not a, Allison's I'm not, a mess right now. That, that is a fact. He's a mess two weeks in a row that he's straight up given up a goal because of his actions. Um, well, he two last two last week and then one this week. <laughs> I'm yeah. wondering, I'm curious if there's like the goalkeeper equivalent of the yips. <laughs> like, uh, ask Kappa. Yeah. Like, right. Is there a goalkeeper equivalent of the, of the yips where just psychologically you start to break down? Yeah. I mean, that goal that Lester got Vardy's goal, which put them up two one was just Allison comes out of the box and tries to kick a ball away and just whiffs on the kick and Vardy walks in and just taps it in. Um, I, I am not a karma guy. I'm not a believer in the juju, but um, 
it is kind of funny that ever since Klopp, after, uh, you know, in his post-game rant, just decided to start talking about other squads and Manchester United getting too many penalty kicks and, like, just not even – they weren't even playing United at that time. He just went off on these teams. They've struggled since then. It's just funny. It's just funny. Well, you can tell the character of a person by how they do when they're losing, right? And Klopp, I love Klopp. And so, and I, I really think he is, he, he's a great manager and, and I like him, but it's been really disappointing actually to see kind of how his post-match interviews in these last couple months, it's just yeah. been really, it's been weird. And it's been, it's kind of been hard to watch blaming others and so negative and it's hard. I, you know, there's lots of grace to be given with all these guys. It's COVID, COVID plays <clears throat> crazy psychological games on all of us. I think we're all susceptible to that right now. Um, Jose is the only one who doesn't get grace because he was like that way before COVID. So <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of, of losing, let's talk about Jose and then uh, Spurs. <laughs> Dude, they're a mess. I can't wait till we'll play him again. Can't come quick enough. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. I know you don't think Jose is going to get let go. Um, but I'm officially starting Jose Watch based on this. Um, they play West Ham, who's who's good. Yep. No, you know, there's no hurt in a, in a loss there. Uh, but then they play Burnley, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, and Newcastle. If they fail... I would say to win any of those matches, he's gone by April 3rd. All right. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they, so you're saying if they draw or lose all of those. Yeah. I, okay. I'm saying they need at least six points out of those five matches or he's gone or he's gone. All right. I like it. I like it. It's a good, that's one of our first, that's one of the first bold predictions Chris is going to make. <laughs> Um, Can you touch on anything else about Spurs this week, or should we just move on to Obama Yang? No, yeah, Obama Yang with is back. He's back with uh, one of the most surprising stats. Did you know that was his first career hat trick in the Premier League? Ew. Yeah, no, mm. I have no idea. Or for Arsenal, I guess for Arsenal, his <clears throat> first career hat trick, which he scores and he scores bucket loads of goals. So that. I, yeah. I was very shocked. Yeah. He's a golden boot winner. Like that. You, yeah. would, you would think he uh, had pulled that off before, but it, it's uh, look, I'm by no means an Arsenal fan or like them in any way, shape or form, but um, it's good to see him back that the form he had on, on Saturday or Sunday, whatever day their okay. game was, was great. <laughs> um, he looked awesome. It was fun to see him doing that stuff again. Premier League's better when yeah, it's scoring. For sure. Titus and I talked about him last week, right? And I was bummed that I didn't get to see him when I previewed Arsenal, but seeing him back in action was every bit as good as I hoped it would be, and he's really impressive. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the same time in that match, um, Melier was, was terrible for, for Leeds. I mean, he – could not stop a shot to save his life <clears throat> in that match. That was tough to watch. Leads are weird like that. I mean, I think Wolves play Leeds on Friday, and 
I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because the form leads, and this is, this is leads like MO is they come out strong. They press, they, they run so hard. They work so hard. And by the second half of the season, they don't have the legs to keep up. And they're so susceptible to the counterattack because they push forward so much. And I think wolves, wolves having moved back to the, the, uh, five, two, three formation, sitting back, waiting for a counterattack. I think, I think it sets them up well. So, um, I'm, I'm hopeful for this upcoming week, but yeah, that leads is leads is fading away. They are. The good thing is that they are safe <laughs> and they could fade away all they want. And they're probably yeah. going to. Yeah, for sure. for sure. <clears throat> um, the, uh, the, this didn't pick up many headlines and we barely touched on this fact in, in our podcast. I mentioned it because of where he came from. Yeah. Uh, but Jesse Lingard, and the Dude. last literal last second transaction transfer to get him over to West Ham is looking like the move of January. Yeah. He's been awesome for them. I know it's just a handful of games, um, but he looks like a difference maker for them. Yeah, he really does. I mean, he was super impressive today. Um, was impressive the last couple of weeks, but yeah, West Ham continues to win and look really good. Um, obviously so check so fall the, the two check guys they brought in um have looked really good as well um they're yeah they're they're now fifth in the league um i think they're tied with chelsea in points um just have goal differentials separating them but they keep playing well and i mean it's just it's remarkable to think of them at at, at fifth but yeah the jesse lingard edition was great um, and that actually leads perfectly to, um, like, I don't know, we don't really do t- term of the week anymore or concept of the week. We've, we've touched on stuff, but because this is a football neophytes podcast, I do want to like explain stuff. If there's things that happen that, that can help, you know, all of us understand the game better. And so I bring up the the difference between a red versus a yellow card in the box on like a, on a goal scoring chance. So uh, three matches ago, Wolves versus Arsenal. um, William Jose is running in. He's got a clear goal scoring chance and uh, David Luiz clips his leg, takes him down and uh, they're, are awarded a penalty and is given a red card. It's, it was definitely a bit of a controversial like red card, but he was not making a play on the ball. And that's the key point. He was not making a play on the ball. He fouled a guy who had a clear scoring chance. That's why he got the red. If you guys watched any of the West Ham game or watched the, the highlights, Jesse Lingard, gets gets freaking crushed by Bashan on a Bashan on a um on a clear goal scoring chance. I mean just gets throttled. 
it looks like he lays him out. I mean, you, when you see it from a different angle, but from kind of the, the far away angle, it just looks like he cl- takes him out and he's given a yellow. The difference was is ba- Bash- uh, Basham or Basham was, was making a play on the ball. So even though he really like pounds Lingard, he's making a play on the ball. And so he's given only a yellow, still a penalty, still a penalty in the box. There's still a, uh, a penalty given, um, but the difference between a yellow and a red. So I thought that was interesting because the tap of William Jose was so light and accidental. And the other one was so clear and like purposeful, but the difference is, are you making a play on the ball or not? And I think a lot of ways you can really, if, as you're learning and watching, um, if a guy's making a play on the ball will make all the difference between a foul, no foul. If he gets the ball first, that really makes, makes the biggest of difference. I like it. I learned something. Thank you. Yeah. Chris, you have one last thing you wanted to say. I'm not sure why you want to say it, but you can. Oh, I think you know why I want to say this. Oh, because he's not, he's not playing Pulisic. Screw Tuchel, Tuchel, whatever you are, TT. Screw you for benching Christian Pulisic and not playing him. I think it's weak. I don't care that you guys won today. I hope you lose every game that you don't start him in. Well, here's the thing. As much as I want Pulisic to play, they have not lost. And in fact, they only have one draw in his, I think, six matches or whatever, uh, five league matches and an FA cup. Um, the one draw was against wolves and then they've won every match since then. And I think they've only allowed one goal and that was that own goal. So whatever he's doing, as much as I love Christian, as much as I want to see Christian play, um, Chelsea fans have to have like, have to be in the American Chelsea fans have to be in the most bizarre situation right now. Right? Like you want your boy to play but you're winning and you, I don't know. I'm sure there's, there's a lot of mixed emotions there. For sure. I think at the end of the day, you want your club to, if you're an actual fan, you want your club to win. Um, I want Odin, Owen Otisawi to get in there too, but I'd rather us win. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Although I do actually, I don't understand why he's not playing. Like, because we've yeah, had what's so many the rationale? What I don't do we think the rationale is even, even like, even I say, like, longtime Wolves fans have been asking this question. Like, our midfield play has been so inconsistent, other than it's like maybe loyalty to Matinho and Neves, but those guys haven't looked good. That's the one thing about the Wolves game that I will go back and say their passing was abysmal. I, it was abysmal. Like just, I think that's, I was, I found like a site that had like deeper dive into stats, um, like live deep dive into stats. And so I found like wolves passing percentage was 70, like 4% in the first half, which that means three, only one out of every four passes is going to nowhere or the wrong person. Like that's really bad in soccer. Like you should be in the eighties, low nineties. Right. And wolves were kicking 
one out of every four balls out of bounds. And so I don't know why. So a lot of the wolves guys that I listen to are also asking the same question, like give Otisawi a shot. Like we don't know why he hasn't, especially when he did play a little bit earlier in the season and had some decent results. So. Well, let's move on uh, to Fulham. Kyle, you featured Fulham, the last team you featured. And it's, I mean, it couldn't have been better because they played great. They got a great win against another really good squad. You've been so down on them. And I'm, I'm super excited to hear like, does Fulham have a chance to make it into Kyle's top eight after a great performance? So we'll wait till we get to your top eight, but tell us about Fulham and the match. Well, I will keep the suspense going, but to speak about this match, I think we'll just jump right in. In the ninth minute, Fulham had a corner and was literally inches away from having Maybe the goal of the season. Oh, the Cordova read. Yes. So, like I said, it was a corner set piece over there. They kicked it short of the post and Reed somehow flicked it with his heel. No look backwards over the keeper's head and just off the post. It was I was so sick. I don't know how he did it. But it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, even though they, they, it didn't go in. Yeah. So it, I, I went back and minute. watched it a couple times. Yeah. I went and watched it a couple times. I was like, wait, did he do that on purpose? Like, it looks like it just glances, but it was clearly like a purposeful flick. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I mean, I, I just think, again, I don't know how even the, the physics work with what he did and how he was able to, <laughs> get his heel on it but it was absolutely incredible and maybe it was the goal of the week even though it wasn't the goal um it was it was crazy it was so, the chance of the week we can start having chance, chance, of, the chance of the week yes <laughs> we're, we're, we're digging real deep down. now yes um but as you mentioned Fulham played really well in this game they completely dominated my notes say they completely dominated the first half but truth be told they pretty much dominated the entire match um at halftime it was nil nil but within two minutes of the second half Fulham scored to go up one nil um about 20 minutes later they got their second goal when Harrison Reed uh who by the way was really impressive midfielder from England for them uh he made a really nice strike from outside the box went off the post uh so he didn't score on it but it was a really nice strike that went off the post and ended up being rebounded for an easy put back. And they won two nil. Um, they played really well, but Everton, uh, they just didn't show up for this game. They, they just looked non-existent, very few chances. And yes, Fulham made me eat all of my words that I've been talking about them the entire season and just completely dominated this match. So Fulham, kudos to you. Well, and Calvert-Lewin didn't play for Everton, and they've looked really impotent without him. Um, So, yeah, again, I think it comes back to this, how are you going to handle injuries? And 
the yeah. team, the, the deepest team who can kind of backfill those pieces or figure out how to manipulate their lineup and play people in new positions the quickest is who's going to one win the league, which we've seen city do, but then, or like at least put themselves in position to do, and then even make, make a run at whether it's champions league or Europa like West Ham. I think West Ham's a great, great example. I don't know if they've had a, a lot of injuries, but um, just, you know, pulling the right levers and getting Lingard in there. So. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So break so, yeah, so for us. A, yeah. So checking out Fulham, there's some good, some bad. I'm going to start with the good. Okay. We're going to jump right into the Fulham culture. All right, boys. Did you know who the Fulham mascot is? Do you guys have any idea? <laughs> no. <laughs> it is something called Billy the Badger, which is incredible. So their mascot is a badger, but that's not even the best thing about him. He is known, Billy the Badger is known for two different incidents. One, he got kicked out of a match after breakdancing on the pitch while the ref was, was calling a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> the second time, if that wasn't enough, he again went onto the pitch and this time actually crossed the goal during play but was not seen by the referee. What? Now, I'm I'm 99% confident that this is a human being in a Badger costume, but given the fact that he keeps going on the pitch during play, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. You it think they might have a Badger, badger. Like, a like a college football team? Yes. It may be an actual Badger that gets loose. It just runs up the pitch during play. So... <laughs> Um, need, needless to say, that was actually really entertaining to research and, and to see. Um, I also, we've talked about this before, but their stadium is really cool. Craven it's, Cottage, maybe my favorite stadium in all the Premier League, right on the river. The new concourse that they're building to back up to the river is going to be really, really nice. And, you know, if they have one really positive trait going for them, it's, it's Craven Cottage. I'll, it'll be interesting. So maybe maybe uh, we'll get a listener. Maybe our favorite listener will send me uh, some thoughts on this. But you called it a concourse. I don't know if they call them concourses at all. They I know for sure they call them stands. So it'll be interesting okay. to know. I don't know this answer, but uh, it just dawned on me. Like, oh, that's what we that's what we call like stadiums in the U.S. But I wonder if they even use that word to describe. Yeah. It more. I'm not sure. I definitely did see the the term stand, you know, the, the, what do they call it? The Riverside stand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right about that. I, I interjected the word concourse, but I'm not sure if they, they use that at all or not. Uh, but again, I really enjoyed the culture. I thought the Billy Badger thing was fun. Their stadium's really nice. So just because I had a great time reading about that, I gave them five golden boots for culture. Nice. So there's, there's your, there's your good. Another good for them is, you know, a lot of their strikers and players uh, on their team, two Americans, right? Tim Ream, uh, allegedly, and Anthony Robinson. Which he didn't gotta even give play, a shout right? out. He didn't even uh, play. He, yeah, he did not play while I was watching him, um, which was a bummer. But the fact that he's on the team, 
the fact that they are the club of one of my favorite Americans of all time, Clint Dempsey. Yeah. Um, you know, you get some legacy points for that. And then I mentioned up top, you know, in this particular match, I'm not sure how quality of a player he is usually. Maybe you guys have an opinion on that. But Harrison Reed, um, the midfielder from England, had a couple of really nice strikes from outside the box. It was just really exciting. Kind of let it rip a few times. and um redhead guy from england really fun to watch so three golden boots for strikers so they're scoring pretty well so far here's where things start to take a little bit of a turn for fulham they're gonna get really good yeah the, the fact that they're yeah the fact that they've never won anything and have only been in the premier league for like 30 seconds and are headed back out um they're owned by Shahid Khan, who also owns the Jaguars, as we've mentioned on this pod, who also have never won anything. So not a good history by Mr. Khan. That's not all, though. He also owns AEW Wrestling, which is basically like the second tier of professional wrestling which is exactly where Fulham's headed. So um, not a lot going on for infrastructure. One golden boot for Fulham. Jacksonville would be relegated too if they were a yes. relegation system <laughs> yeah. in the NFL. They I would had, be replaced by University of Alabama. Exactly. Sure. I had no idea he was involved with AEW, so that's hilarious. And uh, the Jaguars did not have a good week last week when they oh, hired no. the strength and no. conditioning coach out of Iowa who um well he's a racist and they hired him anyway and that did not go well it led to his resignation it's uh things aren't so great in the sports world for mr khan but no. uh, apparently he has a lot of money so for that he's doing okay yeah. for that we applaud you <laughs> um yeah and their their kits honestly not nothing special either their home kits white with black sleeves it's solid enough but there's really no Clear, uh, creativity or flair there um things go pretty far south from there their away kits solid yellow not great i'm not even sure they have a third kit to be honest not at least that i could find um so one golden boot for kits as well they um, have a third kit and it they do. looks like yeah it looks like you would wear it if you were going to uh cut down your christmas tree <laughs> so like it's like a lumber, uh, it's kind of a lumberjack <laughs> there it is i'm showing uh i'm showing the guys the third kit yes it's like a flannel <laughs> a flannel lumberjack shirt i think it might actually be made out of flannel too it is um when they, they wear those they have to listen to justin timberlake's man of the woods album yeah of course of course um so yeah no i kid a little bit about fulham they know i love them but um like i said i actually really did enjoy the stadium enjoyed billy the badger enjoyed some of their players um but yeah they they kind of ended up ah not i'm gonna say they're gonna be outside the top eight that's a little spoiler alert uh, a little spoiler alert <laughs> Well, we before we jump into those the the final eight, uh, I had a question that will lead to uh, 
Chris's second bold prediction. So here's my question. Three teams that we've talked about so far, Fulham, City, and Liverpool. What do you think is more likely? Fulham climbs out of relegation. Someone wins the league besides City or Liverpool does not make Champions League. So, so just to put it in context, uh, Fulham, mm-hmm. Fulham right now I think is seven points. They're seven points behind Newcastle with a game in hand. Okay, seven points behind Newcastle with a game in hand. With about they have fifteen uh, matches left. Okay, seven points. City has a seven-point lead on United, also with a game in hand, on United and Leicester, seven-point lead with a game in hand. And Liverpool is currently in sixth place, which is outside of uh, Champions League position by two points. They're two points behind Chelsea, uh, plus some goal differential. So maybe, let's say, three points behind Chelsea. So what's most likely Liverpool does not make champions league next year. Uh, someone wins besides city or Fulham climbs out of relegation. Chris, since you have the bold prediction that I kind of stole your thunder, uh, why don't you, you give us your bold prediction? Okay. Um, to address your question, city is running away with this thing. I've been saying that for a while. I'm taking that one off the board. That's happening. So this comes down to Fulham climbing out of relegation or Liverpool not making Champions League. Um, Liverpool is two points out of that spot, so that's a one game. They could be right back in it. Um, My bull prediction in answering this question is that Fulham is going to climb out of relegation. And I put this in our show notes before I saw the question. Yeah, uh, it was something I actually was going to throw out there this week. Um, I think Fulham gets out of 18th. I think they finish in 17th. I think Newcastle finishes behind them. Now it's it's hint, that prediction hinges on Fulham's next three matches. Um, coming off of yesterday's win, they now play Burnley, Sheffield United, and Crystal Palace over the next three games. They can take points in all of those, and they need to take points in all of those. So it hinges on these next three games for Fulham. But I have – I looked at Fulham's uh, schedule. I looked at Newcastle's schedule. I've got those two teams at 37 points each heading into the last week of the season where they miraculously play each other in the final match of the season. And I've got Fulham winning that game, Fulham finishing at 40 points, Newcastle at 37, and Newcastle – heading down to the championship. Love it. I love it. Kyle, what do you think? What's most likely to happen out of those three scenarios? It's tough. It's a, it is a great question. Well done, Nate. I definitely agree with Chris that I don't see anybody besides Man City winning this, which is a little anticlimactic, but I just think at this point, that seems like a foregone conclusion. And the the other two are tough because I honestly don't know that either of them are going to happen. Um, but 
I would go with Liverpool. I'm going to go with the talent. They're a little bit closer to where they need to be than Fulham is for this well, it's question. The op- it's the opposite question, Kyle. So that Liverpool would not make Champions League, that they would remain in fifth or sixth place. Oh, so is it more? I misunderstood the question. So that okay. they would not um, make Champions League. I'm still going with them. <laughs> wow. All right. It's it's kind of unfathom, unfathomable. I think the city one's maybe the easiest for us to to disregard. Um, I can't imagine Liverpool not regaining their form. There's just so much talent there. Um, but if you see, look above them, doesn't it seem like it's hard to pick a team that's going to drop? Not with West Ham. I think I could see them. I think that I could see them passing West Ham, Leicester. As much as I I like them, Leicester has fallen off. It's not unlike for them to fall off. Um, and Chelsea's within striking distance too. So I don't know. Liverpool just has so much talent. That's that that one's really hard to see. Yeah, uh, but I don't think it's a bad pick, Kyle. To be honest, because picking up. Fulham making up seven points will be really hard. That will be really hard to do. So, um, but <clears throat> because I, I think Liverpool is just too talented. I'm going to go with, with Fulham as most likely, but it's tough. I think, I think that's tough. All right. Now the moment, the moment we've all been waiting for Kyle is going to narrow his, uh, teams down to eight. So one team we already know is in based on our poll results is Lester. Lester wins the play in pretty handily Burnley with a full no show. I mean, just, I tweeted at Natalie multiple times trying to get some, some love, try to get some, some Burnley movement, but nothing. And then I just think most people don't, don't want Kyle to end up being a Liverpool or, or Spurs fan. So Lester it is. So Lester advances. Um, we know that for sure, but we're going to start from 20 and Kyle's just going to run through, maybe give a little bit of commentary, but he's going to run through 20 through uh, 12, no 20 through nine. Give us 12 teams that are out of the running. All right. Here we go, boys. The moment you've all been waiting for. Love it. These teams, again, are out of the running. Sad to say, but their time has come to an end. The first one we will start with is Brighton and Hove Albion. Mm. It's been nice knowing you. The next one who is out of the running is... Aston Villa. Are these the are next, these are these in like a descending order? Is this like 2019? Are you giving these to us in order or are these just you're just telling us who's out? I am giving you these in order. There, there is a bottom group Got it. that I would say. So still they're still kind of in so your tiers. Brighton and Hope, Aston Villa. West Ham, even though they're having a great season. Dang. And Fulham, 
all in that bottom tier. Not a lot of tears shed over cutting those <laughs> clubs. A little bit harder of a cut was Sheffield okay. and Southampton. Even harder yet still was my irrational love for Newcastle. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to pick and them in anyways because they're going down, according to Chris. And then finally, let's get some suspense here. This is a little bit of a strategic cut. I am officially cutting City. Man City. Love it. That is. That's I love Man City. Man City was in my original top eight, but then I realized that's dumb because I'm not going to be able to pick them anyways. So I cut them. Love it. Good move. Okay, moving up. The teams that just got eliminated by the popular vote would be Liverpool, Burnley. Where were you, Burnley? Didn't show up. I wanted to pick you. And Tottenham. Liverpool. Yeah. Who was it? Liverpool, Tottenham, and Burnley. Burnley. Yep. All right. Are you waiting? Are you ready for the top seven? Because we know Lester's in. Are we missing some? I think we're missing someone. Let's see. That's 10. You've cut 10. So there should be one more. Who right? am I missing? You've cut Brighton, Villa, West Ham, Fulham, Sheffield, Southampton, Newcastle, City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Burnley. I think that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And West eight, Brom. Nine, ten. And West Brom. All oh, the West. West, West Brom. <laughs> West Brom's out. West side. All the West sides. They're out. All right. Top seven. You, If you're paying attention, you definitely know who they are. But I am going to say them anyways. And these, these, are in no, these are in no particular order, right? These are in no particular order. Okay. Chris, who's in the top seven? I have not heard the Manchester United club eliminated. United makes the top seven. I like it because I, I look, I'll be honest. I don't think there's any way you end up picking them. And when you featured them, they were at their worst. So I think it's fun that at least you're giving them this opportunity to see them in a better form to maybe they can swing your opinion. Who knows? But I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I wanted to give them another look and I love the way they've been playing. And it's just hard, man. They're, they're just... They're the they're the definitely like the first Premier League team I ever knew of, and for that almost that reason alone, they have a, a place in my heart. So they're in the top seven, top eight. Awesome. Uh, next up would be another Super Club, home of Captain America. Even though they're not playing him, they better start playing him if they want me to pick him. <laughs> Chelsea. Yep. After that, we have. Leeds United. Oh, Leeds. Love it. Following Leeds, the next team up, Foreverton. <laughs> yes. 
Next up, Nate. Yeah. Who do you think it is? Arr, arr. <laughs> the wolves. Oh, I'm not, oh, not supposed to say that. Wolves. They're in. Nice. Next up, Titus would be happy. Arsenal's in. Love it. So I'll stop here to say another reason why Arsenal, Wolves, and Man U are in is because I like friends and my <laughs> friends like them. And so honestly, that's a big reason, right? And so yeah. your y'all support of those clubs um, is, you know, hearing you talk about them, hearing you root for them, that's a big deal. And so that, that gives them some bonus points for sure. The last team that will be in my top eight, Ezzy, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Wow. You love them when you watch them. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Okay. It is top eight. Top eight. So we have Leicester, Manchester United, Chelsea, Leeds, Everton, Wolves, Arsenal, Crystal Palace. That's a strong group. That's a that's a group of teams ranging anywhere from, I think, second to I think Crystal Palace is fourteen right now. So yep. it's a it's solid as far as like where they all stand. Couple big six clubs. Um, couple teams that have finished just outside of the big six when wolves Everton. Um, this is a good, uh, this is a good solid final eight. I, I hope we have influence with you, but obviously we want, we don't want to over influence, but I definitely, when I look sure. at this list, our, our fingerprints are all over it, which, which is all, which makes sense, right. As we're guiding you through this, um, the great thing is that I know you'll choose a team that whatever team you want. So <laughs> it'll be fun. I there out of the top eight, there are some that right now um, I would say probably have a slight advantage in my mind that could certainly change. Um, but I, I don't know who I'm going to pick and there's definitely a handful of teams that, um, I mean, it really could be in the eight, but but there's pros and cons and, and um, lots of season left to be played for sure. Yeah. And it's great that you'll be able to double down on these teams and get it, get to watch them yep. the same time and um, learn even more. Be good to get some more like uh, some more maybe Twitter fan interaction around it, too, where you could get some some fan culture involved. So I'll try and think through even ways to to get you connected to some fans of these clubs and yeah, just start exploring that side of things. Cause I think that's a huge, in the long run, that becomes a huge part of, of the experience. All right. So here's my question is what is our roadmap now that we're down to eight, what's our roadmap to get to one? Are we going to eliminate teams on a periodic basis or are we just moving forward with eight and at the end of the season, you're picking one of those eight. No, we're going to move forward with these eight. And then with the final four weeks of the season, we're going to reduce it to four. So we'll have another cut down here um, in a couple months. We'll cut it down to four. And then theoretically, if everything plays out, uh, final week of the season, Kyle is going to be in town. And 
I think we're going to be able to do a final match day watch party with as many games on. They all play at the same time, so it's quite chaotic, but get a couple of TVs, computers set up. We can watch the final game unfold, see Chris's bold prediction <clears throat> come, to, come to reality, and then we can do a, a season finale recording right afterwards, and Kyle can reveal his team. And who yep. happens to play on that last oh. match day? That's the other. That's the other thing. It's the football neophytes derby that that, that weekend as well. So we'll see. The last time we planned it, it didn't play out. But uh, Kyle, and then I got COVID, so fantastic. And then you got COVID, so. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on. Um, we've already touched on uh, Neto and Bruno's goals, um, which were great goals for the week. But I just wanted to touch on assists, Ederson. Keeper uh, for City had just a remarkable assist. I just, I mean, insane where he kicked that ball on a goal kick three quarters of the way down the field. Just beautiful. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, it's it's funny. Like maybe I don't listen to enough about Man City, but ederson is such a good keeper he really and i don't is. i don't hear a lot of people really talking about him or like giving him a ton of credit i think maybe they're just such a well-oiled machine and scoring so much it gets put by the wayside a little bit but man i would love to have him as my keeper oh for sure yeah he's world class yeah. and then chris you tweeted us uh this assist because i didn't see it but yeah it was uh for liverpool for Mino with what i up to this point have got to call the assist of the year where he takes a ball taps it with his with one foot plays it behind him and with his back to the ball kicks it with his heel behind him to Sala for the assist and the goal it was amazing if you haven't seen it you have to look that one up and watch it it was incredible it it was incredible it was that was an amazing assist and I would agree with you assist of the season for sure so far well, let's let's move over to the lock it in review, um, guys. A really good a really good lock it in week for all of us. Um, Kyle and I took Chelsea over Newcastle, that gave us the victories. Um, Chris took City again, as he should, as long as he can ride that City train. Um, he took city uh that moves our records to me 14 and 10 still in the lead but only a half game above chris who's at 13 and 10 with a game in hand and uh kyle just a game back 13 and 11 kyle who do you have this week for your lock it in Yes, this week I'm going with Chelsea over Southampton. Chris, you riding that city train? <laughs> you know it. Um, absolutely. I'm going to ride it until they lose or play someone in the bottom three because they're just ridiculous. As you should. It's fun. All three of us took different matches, and I think that says something about the match week, which we'll get to in a second. But I'm taking Manchester United over Newcastle uh, while I can before Newcastle's in the relegation zone, uh, which I guess won't happen until the final game of the year. But Exactly, exactly. 
Um, also, Kyle, I like that pick. Chelsea's playing really well since the coaching change, and Southampton yeah. is not playing well at all right now. So they're basically on opposite trajectories. Southampton, I don't know if you their sixth loss in a row. Yeah, sixth loss right. in a row. They haven't won since since uh, Hassan Hutel cried on the sidelines after beating Liverpool. Which sucks. I, I'm a I'm a big Hassan Hoodle fan, so it's but there's no crying in football. There's no crying in football. Um, match of the week. I, this is a fascinating week. Um, Liverton play Liverpool plays Everton, which is um, just one of the greatest rivalries in football. So that's that's probably the standout match of the week. But here's what I wanted to highlight and why I think it's a it's such an interesting match week. I think there are like eight matches where there's only a couple positions in the table separating the teams. So Wolves leads 12 versus 11, Liverpool, Liverpool Everton 5 versus 7, Fulham Southampton 18 versus or uh, versus Sheffield 18 versus 20, Burnley versus West Brom 16 versus 19. West Ham versus Tottenham, four versus nine. Aston Villa versus Leicester, eight versus three. Brighton versus Crystal Palace, 15 versus 14. And then even though Arsenal and Man City are separated by a lot of positions on the table, um, they're two epic teams. So it's a, it's a really, really interesting match week to me. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think it'll I think it'll create a little more separation in the table and help us see kind of where teams are are shaken out. So yeah, for sure. And we got a couple of midweek matches that are makeup games for COVID losses. So there's a couple, there's two random games in the middle of the week before it gets to the weekend games. Um, you've got the Champions League continues again. That's right. Um, and then also, um, I think uh, Europa is mid midweek this week as well. Yeah, Europa on Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday. I haven't I haven't jumped in too much, but doesn't City City plays a league match on Wednesday? Yes. So it's it's uh, the makeup game against Everton is on Wednesday. Okay. And then, yeah, because that'll put them at their 24 matches to even up. With the okay, so of- this is why I was confused because Champions League is only playing four games. They're not playing all eight games of the round of 16 this week. So I was confused as to yeah. why City had a, had a Premier League game and not a uh, Champions League game. So that's next week for City. So yeah, so the 24th, the following Wednesday, they play Mönchengladbach. That's right. Mönchengladbach. So <laughs> Liverpool's the only Premier League team playing this week in in Champions League. Um does Man U play on Thursday? They do. Yeah, they play Real Sociedad. Okay. All right. Well, how um <laughs> has what's his name is it William uh, Jose? William Jose, sorry. Has he played? Yeah, he's been playing and has almost been non-existent. So I know it takes a little bit of time to work into a system. So um, we'll see. 
we'll see what yeah. happens with him. But still appreciate you guys <laughs> taking one of their better players away for that. Glad we can help. Good looking out. Anything we can do to help a friend. So Kyle, um, you're about to start double dipping on these teams. Which which team are you going to take your first second look at? Well, I, I'm also going to try and double dip in the matches if I can. Oh yeah. And this week there happens to be at least one where that is the case, and I'm going to be checking out Leeds versus Wolves. Love it. That'll be a good one. That's uh, that's Friday. That's going to put my full kit wanker to the test because uh, we have one of our biggest events of the, of the year this weekend. And I've got a lot of work to do on Friday. So I can't just wear my kit in my living room and just let my family see it. I've got to somehow wear it out and about in town. So <laughs> I've got some strategies. Do it. We need some, we need some pics of that in public. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll see. I'll tell you what, if, if United draws with Newcastle this week, I might be going, uh, FKW <laughs> the following match. I love it. All right, gentlemen. Well, that's it. Have a good, good week. Work, boys. Peace. <laughs>